in the nation. I am Andy Charlton, here in the lot majority with Roger Serpin. Thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you very much for uh, listening once again. Uh, thank you for venturing in with us in this new podcast, Stepping Away from the Bush, for uh, a new format, which has received some, uh, pretty, some pretty good reviews. I have to admit, the downloads, just uh, looking at it, the downloads have been down from our last couple episodes, but when you're venturing into the world of politics, that's almost to be expected. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a non-starter for people, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, um, some people just don't want to go there, especially in our industry. Um, it's one of the things you're never supposed to talk about. It still comes up after three rounds, but yeah, exactly. <sighs> that and God, but well, that religion. We'll see what happens in the future here. <laughs> in our industry, and um, and amongst the millennials, you know, it's kind of funny w- with millennials. When we grew up in an era when you and I both grew up in newsy mm-hmm. households with your father always listening to news talk radio, my father yep. loving news talk radio, yep. listening to Rush Limbaugh, listening to Bob Grant, yep. and listening to Sean Hannity on a daily basis. Please don't judge. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You have to be your own person after all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but after all that, how a lot of people in our generation, you're either really 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 want to talk about politics yep. or you just want to be under the covers and you want nothing to do with it ostrich with its head in the sand that's yes. that's a lot of people from our generation mm-hmm. i don't care too much about that look at beyonce's new album <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i get a lot honestly. oh my god did you watch the vma it was amazing was chance the rapper looks so good speaking of which oh my god i, I don't know about you but i felt older <laughs> like i looked up at a tv screen the vmas were on i'm like Oh my God! I forgot it's about that time of year, and I don't know any of these people. The VMAs have become such trash, dude. Oh my I can't God. even watch it anymore. It's become such trash. Like I look at the people that are on there, and it's all these like uh, the older people may not be familiar with mumble rap and people like Migos and people yeah. like Chance the Rapper. Yeah, a lot of the young people are getting like, Oh my God, Roger knows who Chance the Rapper is. He's that's so cool. <laughs> It's, it's serious, man. I get it all the time. I mean, hip-hop is my favorite genre of music. I love hip-hop. I've yeah. been listening to hip-hop music for 20 years. Okay. And there, I work with uh, some millennials at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to shout out any of their names, but you know, a girl that's in her early 20s, 23, 24 years old. Okay. And I'm talking about... Who's I'm talking at the bar uh, with my bartender about... I'm uh, ranking my favorite members of the Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. And she's like, I can't believe you're talking about the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, that is so not what I expect of you. <laughs> and why is that? Is it because I'm white? Is it because I'm wearing a collared shirt? Or is it because I, I'm properly spoken? Like, why, you know... You're forgetting one other detail, boy chick. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, where's the, where's this divide? You know, and they're just kind of... Where's this divide started yeah. where... Just because I don't look like a person that listens to hip hop, that I, I I can't listen to hip hop. It's the Michael Bolton complex from uh, Office Space. It's exactly what it is. Remember that scene in Office Space, which we talked about in this podcast yep. many times. Yep. That scene when uh, he's listening to uh, to Scarface. I got my pistol oh, yeah. going pop, and he sees the black guy coming, and he turns the music down. He, he rolls my, his window up. My wife used to joke that that was me. <laughs> then when I got back together with her in our early days, and yeah, yeah, to a point it was. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's, you're not expecting it. <laughs> there's sometimes when I'll be driving up to Buckley's to see Christina, or okay. uh, before when we were sharing a car, when I'd be dropping her off, yeah. I would turn the musical out on purpose, just so <laughs> everyone, and, you know, all the separate wives knew when I was driving up 52, <laughs> when, that I was blasting some Raekwon. 
Oh my goodness, here comes Roger Serpent and his Chia. <laughs> his cheap Kia listening to that music. You take your Korean vehicle and you take your hippity hoppity and you go back where you came from to Washington Street Corridor. <laughs> Mother, he's blaring hip hop. <laughs> oh God! Oh my goodness! Oh, back, to, uh, back to Adele. <laughs> yeah, back, back to Adele. Oh man. So, yeah. Andrew, how how has your uh, last uh, couple weeks been? The last couple weeks have been good. Working, 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 and uh, getting mistaken for a Nazi more. And we'll come back to that in this podcast. Yes, that that is an interesting story because uh, <sighs> when Andrew and I rendezvous this morning, I. Uh, well, well, we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. That's <laughs> fine. It's plenty of time. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like, uh, lots going on. It's good. Um, everyone's back to school here in the Delaware now. Yes. As of yesterday. Including your son. Yep, including my son. So, it's always a transition. There's always nerves. I, I got to be that consoling husband to my wife yesterday. You know, Marius went to pre-K last year. Now he's off to kindergarten, and they have uniforms, school uniforms and all that. So... She was nervous. I'm like, don't be nervous, you know. Is your son in first grade now? Uh, he, he's in kindergarten at this point. Kindergarten, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's five. He will be six. And then yeah, he's, he's going to kindergarten this year, but he's, he's doing very well so far. And I'm really proud. I mean, every teacher that I've ever spoken with that's been his teacher is into what they're doing. You know, nice. They, they sound passionate about what they're doing. So I'm like, great. This is good. We need this. You know, we need people that want to be there teaching. You know, that's that's most of the battle right there, honestly, when it comes to schooling kids these days. Have you noticed a difference with now mm-hmm. uh, many people from the millennial or a term I heard this week, mm-hmm. the exen- the exennial Exennial. <laughs> that is the window between 77 and, and 83. Okay, you the know exennial what? I love exennial, and I am an exennial, yeah. actually. Um, the difference, yeah, I've heard a lot about the difference, actually. I, I think um, I brought up on a older podcast uh this daily cost article that i read called uh i think it was entitled your oxen has died and your daughter has malaria and it yes. was a reference to you know oregon trail you actually oregon brought it up trail. last week yeah yeah when, when people were starting to think about this you know the generation that was born before everyone had a computer before the internet you know uh they can remember analog things and the end of the cold war and the berlin wall falling yeah, yeah. Um, I think we, we talked a lot about that. Um, it's interesting you bring that up. I find that's the dividing line between me and people four years younger than me and especially 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's so weird. I didn't think there'd be a generation gap that soon after I was born, but <laughs> I've lived in one my whole life, I feel. So how about you? I mean, where, where do you feel you fall with all that? I was, I mean, I don't know because I was technically, I mean... I, I honestly, I, I consider myself more a millennial than I would an exennial, even though I'm kind of right on the cusp. You, you born, born in 82, 82? Oh, yeah, 82. So, yeah, yeah you're well in the exennial range. Yeah, and all the kids that were older than me that I was looking up to, they were all hardcore Xers, like every yeah. last one of them. You know? but, but I'm reading the article uh, differentiating, differentiating the exennials from the mm-hmm. millennials. Okay. And uh, exennials were were. Uh, people who grew up in the 90s, mm-hmm. much like you and I did. Right. Uh, people who grew up before the advent of technology and before the internet. Yeah. Much like you and I did. Yeah. Uh, people who... Um, trying to remember the rest of the, the, rest of the article. I, I wish I had it in front, in front of me. And perhaps if I was more prepared, I would have <laughs> had it 
in it's front of me. It's gonna be okay, Roger. You're yeah. <laughs> I think. I, I think. Yeah. We'll, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. But I was kind of. Uh, per, it was referencing more the difference in teachers from when mm-hmm. you went to school versus now when. Your, when now that your son Marius is going to school, right, the right. difference in teaching styles. Have you noticed anything just from speaking to teachers you were as a student and now as a parent, mm-hmm. leaving that, leaving with your child? Well, one thing, I don't know so much about teaching styles, but um, attitudes of parents and children. I would say mm-hmm. I hear a lot about that, um, and, and it's something I heard even as a teenager. You know, I, I graduated in two thousand from Elkton High, and something that I heard my entire you know, high school career was kids don't have respect. Kids don't have respect. Kids don't have respect. Now you're hearing more along the lines and I, I've seen parents do this. It doesn't help their kids where as you know, you'd go to the open house and you have your parent teacher conference in your open house. And you know, it used to be like if the parent was saying that your kid wasn't doing that well, the parent would turn to the child and say, Hey, you got to get your stuff together. Come on. You know, now it's how are you going to fix the grades for my kid? Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot in my, you know, my short college career where there'd be certain institutions like say U of D where people, where kids would go and they feel they're paying the money for the grade. It's like, no, you're paying to get an education to get the grade. And a lot of them would feel that they should be earning the, the A's and the B's and they'd fight you tooth and nail, maybe bring their parents in if need be, um, which is an unhealthy attitude. I mean, there are, I, I've, I've run into plenty of teachers. I'd imagine you did too, where You've got teachers that just uh, have a nasty attitude or a closed-minded attitude or, oh, things are just supposed to go like this. I, I could definitely tell there's some narrow-minded Aspergian teachers out there that love one or two subjects and don't have uh, much of a broad perspective on things. But there's a lot that just show up and want to do good work. Um, it's, it's actually funny. We were talking about teachers and passion earlier. Um, in 1997, 1998, I had a young math teacher um, in Elton High School, and she was the best math teacher I ever had there. I mean, there's there's a few, there's three great math teachers, and she was like number one on the list that I ever had in school. Um, young, passionate, engaged her kids, very smiley, brought you know a great mood to the room. And this is at a time when in Maryland we were shifting from just having our own local finals to kind of having something similar in New York, where you had regions exams in New York, we had statewide finals. So you would pass your final. And then you better pass the state final. Because if you didn't pass the state final, that's what's really going towards you getting your high school diploma. Mm-hmm. So that was going on. And, um, you know, I moved on and I went back to another teacher that wasn't as passionate, but I got through anyways. And I came to find out that this teacher was done with teaching in two years. Hmm. Done. Because she was just running into so many problems with kids, she couldn't do it, you know? And I know physically, like, this teacher had a few strikes against her. Young, nice, petite, probably 100 pounds soaking wet. And there are, you know, there are plenty of kids that take advantage of that and don't respect teachers based on silly things like that. But it was a shame. It was a shame to see that. Um, yeah, that, that seems to be the difference that I've noticed. Um, technology's changed everything, you know. I mean, uh, it's getting to the point where teaching to a point might be automated. I know my son's been playing with our smartphones and tablets since he was a toddler. Because it's really the, I want to be like my parents. And in his case, I want to be like daddy. So. I remember that, actually. I remember being at, co- being at coffee. And I remember you buying him his very own uh, iPod Touch or, or yep. iPhone. Yeah. Just so he would not play with mine. And I yeah. think, actually, my mom, shout out to my mother, who's going to be coming into town this week. And I shout think out she's, to Mrs. Charlton. Yeah. Good God, all the work she does. She's going to be um, 
bringing an old iPhone, I believe, for him to play with. Because I did give him my iPhone oh. 5 for a while, and that died. So, <laughs> oh. so he's still kind of like come fighting me for mine. And she's got some extras, so yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. That's awesome. Well, to all you kids that are listening to this podcast, and yep. to be perfectly honest... I, I don't know why you are, because you should be in fucking school. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, Andrew and I are not teachers. Andrew and I are not role models. We are yep. just two working stiff millennials. Some of the things they say can ca- cause you to get expelled, possibly deported. In other words, <laughs> don't try this at home. I, I got to paraphrase some Beavis and Butthead. That's perfect for this. <laughs> you remember the old disclaimer on that that they had to get? This is back when MTV was putting very entertaining yet stupid things on MTV, and people were trying to imitate them and getting killed. So they started putting disclaimers on all of their shows. They blame, uh, you had parents blaming Beavis and Butthead for deaths, so Beavis and Butthead put a big disclaimer with country banjo music on in the background at the beginning of every episode. Andrew and Roger are not role models. Some of the things they do would cause a person to get hurt, expelled, arrested, possibly deported. To put it another way, don't try this at home. That's great. And I think that's exactly what we're going to start every podcast with. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Andrew Charlton and Roger Serpent. Yeah. And then we'll go right to that. And, you know, they had one for Buzzkill because these guys tried to barbecue themselves. And they did a good job. And then some upper middle class kids in Connecticut tried that and failed miserably. So um, Joe Lieberman, U.S. Senator Joe Lieberman, yes. uh, Obama's mentor, mm-hmm. ended up trying to shut down MTV. Because of I that. remember that. <laughs> They're oh like, "Are God. you serious?" <laughs> so many people have tried to shut down MTV. Oh, Joseph so Lieberman, T- uh, Tipper Gore, yep, uh, Nancy Reagan, yep, Old Mother Reagan and her crew took away from me and you. Uh, <laughs> violent Femmes. God, there's another thing that nobody will get c- because they're all millennials, and I'm an exennial apparently. <laughs> but, Ch- uh, hey, man, chill out. Apparently, I'm a millennial. Apparently, it's old, okay. You old man. Yeah, tell me about it. I was talking with the kid at the bus stop yesterday. He was going to Goldie Beacom, and he's a few years out of graduating high school. And here I am. I'm actually later today. I'll be turning in an application for the Wilmington Police Department again. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I've had to send out for all my transcripts from Elkton High and from Harvard Community College, and now it's Cecil College. It used to be Cecil Community College back then, but I have to pause and think. It's like come this May when I'm 36, high school will have been half a lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. Ow. That is putting in perspective. Where does the time go? Oh, yeah, tell, tell me, me about, about it. it. Whew. I know. Uh, re- I, and I, it's, it's funny because I kind of had one of those milestones myself when I graduated college 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Cr- and it's crazy. Uh, on another topic, congrats to you uh, for applying to the Wilmington Police Department. I oh, think you'll be you. an outstanding cop. Thank you. You thank care you. about our city. You're nurturing. And mm-hmm. with all due respect, speaking from me and speaking for all of our listeners, You'd be an amazing cop. Oh, thank and the you. force can use a person like you. So I, I, best I'd of love luck. to contribute it, yeah. Something that didn't happen overnight either, actually. Uh, speaking about half a lifetime ago, I was a completely different person. I never would have thought of this as a career. But, yeah, it's that's, that is the goal. That certainly is the goal. But, um, yeah, so All right. speaking of which. <laughs> so, um, you, know, we, you know, we talked a little bit about millennial talk. Now let's get to the meat and potatoes. We had the appetizer. We had the salad. It was delicious. Now let's get to the steak and let's talk about the dreaded P word. Politics. Politics. That's what we do here. <laughs> so we slowly kill ourselves audially. <laughs> So we bury ourselves in our own shite. Um, so it's been two weeks, and uh, Charlottesville is still a thing. 
It's still a thing every day. And um, yeah, as actually, well, th this would be a perfect time to talk about my little T-shirt that I'm wearing today. So, um, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of it right now, and that might actually be the cover of our podcast. Yep. <laughs> that t-shirt will be the cover of, the, of, it, of this week's podcast. It, it totally will. Yeah, it totally <laughs> will. So um, so a little bit about the t-shirt I'm wearing now. For those of you who have never seen me before, um, people think I'm a Nazi in general. Um, they really get confused when they see me with my wife, who's black. Um, but I've, I've lived everywhere. I'll, I'll give a little background. I'll digress a bit, folks. I've, I've lived in pretty much every setting i guess you could say every living living setting you could imagine in this country i've been in rural places i've been in small towns i've lived in suburbs and now i'm i own a home in the city of wilmington um i've lived in all, all white neighborhoods i've lived in mostly black neighborhoods i've currently i own a home in a mixed race neighborhood which i'm fine with but um i've noticed that racism and people not liking you is universal <laughs> like it really doesn't matter like um i could get funny looks walking to the mcdonald's in my own neighborhood i've lived there for six years now and when i go on a jog north of me in in uh union park gardens which is a cop and teacher and fireman neighborhood i'll get funny looks i don't belong anywhere really but i always get looked at like i'm a nazi and i don't know how many people have laughed their heads off if they found out my wife is black no one ever expects that and it's gotten worse since Trump got elected. Um, I think I mentioned on a, on a former podcast that um, a week after he got elected, I got stared at by these guys that were there for drug pickups in my neighborhood at 12 noon. Four guys not eating lunch, not walking their dog. You're only there for one thing in a park. So the following week, um, one of them opened the car door and said, hey, excuse me, did you vote for Donald Trump? I remember you mentioned yeah. this. And yeah. I said, yeah, why? Because I'm white. Yeah. And it's gotten substantially worse ever since. So I've, I've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, well, screw it. If you all think I'm a Nazi, I'm just going to play off of that, you know, prejudice of yours. So the shirt that I'm wearing has a German eagle, which is very similar to the American eagle. Interesting, right? Um, and it's holding up a Rammstein, a, a band symbol. Rammstein is a heavy metal band from Germany, and they've gained international popularity. All the guys actually came from the former East Germany. How many millennials even know what that is? I know. East Germany? <laughs> East Germany. Um, well, East Germany collapsed in, what, 88 or 89? So yep. probably very few. Very few. So, yeah, that's another interesting research topic, kids. <laughs> I ordered this shirt um, that they had, and there's words beneath it. Uh, the words are, Wut ihr das Betten Flammen sehen, which translates into, Would you like to see the bed in flames? It's a song about sex and love, and it's a great song. I just bought their DVD set of... Uh, they're performing live in Paris, and the guy that's been blamed for being a, a, a Satanist and Illuminati conspirator, uh, Jonas Alkerland, uh, who helped actually form death metal, as we know it these days, um, he directed this whole thing. He's directed videos for them and Madonna and a number of other artists. He's, he's an amazing director. So it opens up, you know, the whole Paris performance. And I love this song. I love putting this on my bicycle and pedaling out. But um, it's gotten some interesting responses already. I mean, uh, people have just stared at it, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Um, last week, I was going into Brouhaha. Shout out to Brouhaha, which we always shout out on this program. Yeah, shout Charlie out to Square. Brouhaha. I love and, that place. Uh, 
and kudos to them for actually winning Best of Delaware again. Uh, I got a chance to meet with a former friend and the uh, the CEO of Ruhaha right before they went in at the Western Wilmington. Um, Hard to argue against it. Coffee's ago. amazing. Oh my God, it's it's phenomenal. And who would have thought they like drinking a uh, Centine Rosé from <laughs> from the Tuscan province of Italy? Uh, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, never <laughs> in a million years, right? But um. Shout out to them. So I'm, I'm outside of there, and I'm getting stuff onto my bike. I just went shopping. I wanted some coffee, and I'm rearranging everything so the weight's balanced. And this guy stops me. Oh, what's your shirt about, big man? <laughs> and this, I look up, and it's one of those guys, one of those, like, evolution stage shirts in orange. It's like um, an ape, and then a Neanderthal, and a caveman, and a walking man, and then a walking man in front of a computer. And he's got glasses on and peppered hair, and I can tell he's he's middle-aged. And I'm like, oh, it's a band shirt, Rammstein. And he just keeps looking at me with his puzzled face. And I'm like, the shirt says, Wutir das Bett in Flamen Zayn. He looks at me funny. I'm like, it's a song about sex. <laughs> he looks at me even worse. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, thank you for asking. It's amazing. So many people just assume things without whipping out their phone and looking things up anymore. Is it about <laughs> sex or is it about rape? <laughs> I think sex, but I don't know. And so that was one instance, and that went nowhere. I just left, and I think he was still dumbfounded and not knowing what to say. Um, also, earlier this week, a separate instance with another white guy happened on the other side of all of this. I'm waiting for the bus uh, to go take care of some business. I had to get all these school clothes for Marius because he's got uniforms, etc. So I've been to Walmart more times than I care to this past week. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> That's another topic for another podcast. That's another episode. I'm waiting for the bus, and I'm staring kind of off into space, looking for the bus, trying to figure out where the bus is coming. There's somebody I know that I've spoken to before that's sitting um, sitting there as well waiting, and the bus should have been there. It, it ended up being about 10 minutes late. So, um, you know, the other bus on the other side of the street, closer to my house, passes by. And I see a few people get off, and there's this one white guy in, like, fluorescent gear and a fluorescent bandana. I kind of think, well, he's probably working construction, traffic, flagging, whatever. And I hear, woo! Ric Flair? Yeah, it sounded like a Ric Flair woo. And I'm like, okay, he's had a happy day. Good for him. And then he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then I notice he's coming over towards me. He's like, that's awesome, man. I'm like, oh, it's a band (laughs) t-shirt. I'm smiling and nodding, like not knowing where this is going to go yet. He's like, yeah, look at mine. And he pulls his shirt up, and he's got a swastika on a diagonal and and the German eagle over the swastika. He's like, yeah, man, see mine? I'm like, I'm. that's not what this is. Oh. oh, well, I thought when I saw it, I'm like, this is this is a band t-shirt. Yeah, I thought you would be into I'm not into that whatsoever. And then he walked away. <laughs> yeah. You know, <sighs> we're, we're taught at an early age, perception is reality, but it's not always the case, isn't yeah. it, Andrew? No, no, it's, it's, it's really not. And I'm kind of of the vein now where it's like people are going to think whatever they want to think anyways. And we're talking about politics, and especially the last few years has taught me more than anything that people will just think what they want to think. And you can't reason with about 90% of people anymore. So I don't even care anymore. I'm not going to try. But yes, it is reality. So people think what they're going to think. And they all thought that. But it's kind of a case in point. You know, I'm that guy that wants to know. I'm not satisfied with thinking or I'm not comfortable in assumption, I guess. I, I need to know 100%. 
and then I need to verify. Even even if like I came up to me in a, in public and heard all these things that I'm saying, I would still need to go back home and verify that, you know, mm -hmm. just to be sure. That's the kind of person I am, but a lot of people aren't. So it's been a case in point this week. You like doing what's called research. You yeah. don't like you, you don't like judging. You don't like to uh, give people just a uh, you just look give people one glance and already kind of have a preconceived notion about them. Yeah, and I think that I don't like lot, being prejudiced. It's I'll, not good. <laughs> a lot of that probably stems from because people have a, had a lot of preconceived notions about you, and you become very sensitive to that. Would that be accurate? That would be accurate, actually. And um, it, it's it's funny that you're mentioning that too, because a lot of this didn't start. Well, I was aware of things to a point when I was a kid and a teenager. It really started once I became, you know, a guy that was going out with a black woman, then married to a black woman, then having a mixed race kid in this town, no less. Yet yeah, it makes you more hypersensitive to it all. And, you know, and, and you can, once again, coming back to how I, I address these things, like you could choose to go a number of ways. You could try to make fe people feel better about you, which means you'll never be yourself or mm -hmm. happy, probably. Or you could just try to be the person that you are and be the best person you can be. That's pretty much it. But yeah, it's it's definitely, that that's definitely had that effect on me. And it's a world that a lot of people don't know about and because they don't live it. You know, I, I try to explain this even to my parents and they're lost. They, they don't believe that that could happen or should happen, but it does. So it is what it is. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Uh, not to switch topics, please. Uh, 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 completely. But are you familiar with Christopher Cantwell? That sounds vaguely familiar. So, who is Christopher Cantwell? So, Christopher Cantwell was one of the uh, neo-Nazi uh, people that were marching during, okay. during Charlottesville, and he had a very uh, interesting couple weeks. Uh, if anyone has seen the amazing Vice News piece, <laughs> I'm going to try and and dub it in here. But uh, Andrew, I'm going to show you about Chris Cantwell before. And Chris Cantwell after. Oh man, is his face mangled by chance? So. <laughs> yeah. Roanoke Rapids, so nice. <laughs> All right, so I came pretty well prepared for this thing today. Woo -hoo 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 -hoo. That's a nice little AR. Click, click. Caltech P3AT. Unite the right. 380 ACP. Glock 19, 9mm. That is a lovely gun. Glock 19. Ruger LC9, also 9mm. Ruger LC9 is very and, nice uh, concealed piece, no. okay. And there's a knife. And there's a knife, just in case. Well, I actually <laughs> have another AK in that bag over there. Um, you get lose track of your fucking guns, huh? This guy sounds like he's from Massachusetts originally. We knew that we were going to meet a lot of resistance. Uh, the fact that nobody on our side died, I, I'd go ahead and call that uh, points for us. The fact that none of our people killed anybody unjustly, I think, is a plus for us. Um, and I think that we showed, uh, we showed our rivals that we won't be cowed. But the car that struck a protester, <laughs> that's... Gotta ask about the car. <laughs> unprovoked. That's not true, and you know that it's not true. You've seen the video, so... I've seen a video. I, yeah. I don't know much about it. Oh, I, I, the, I understand that you describe what the video well, appears uh, to show? Okay, so the video appears to show someone striking that vehicle when these animals attacked him again. Wow. And he saw no way to get away from them except to hit the gas. Uh, hit and the sadly, gas. He had a mobile battering ram. He had a cop a car. Bunch of stupid animals who don't pay attention. Uh, they couldn't just get out of the way of his car. <laughs> and, some, and some people got hurt. And that's unfortunate. So you think it was justified? I think it was more than justified. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe the amount of restraint that our people showed out there, I think, was astounding. 
What do you think this means for the next alt-right protest? I the say it's going to be really tough protest. to top, but we're up to the challenge. Wait, why? Why? Tough to top? I mean, someone died. Tough to top? I, I think that a lot more people <laughs> Wait, are going to die before died. we're done here, oh, frankly. God. Why? Why? Because people die every good. day, right? I mean, do you... But not do, like of a heart attack. I mean, violent death. Well, people die violent deaths all the time, right? Like, this is part of the reason that we want an ethno state, right? So, like, the, the blacks are killing each other in staggering numbers from coast to coast. We don't really want to have a part of that anymore. And so, the fact that they resist us when we say, hey, we want a homeland, is not shocking to me, all right? These, these people want violence, and the right is just meeting market demand. <laughs> meeting market demand. That's, that's great. So, this is a... This is racist capitalism, is it? Yeah. All these people seem to want to turn this into the Middle East. Ah, <laughs> <I mean>, like, <laughs> like, oh, children, children, children. There is never going to be a white ethno state. There's never going to be a black ethno state or a Latino ethno state. Like, we have to get along in this country. Like, that's nuts. That's a meeting, meeting market demand. <laughs> Talking about committing acts of violence and killing people's meeting market demand. That's... That's well. I, I, I'd love to get Bloomberg to weigh in on that one personally. <laughs> yeah. Coming out of retirement is former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Welcome. Oh my God. I. Uh. All right. Now let me show you um, Chris Cantwell Slater. This is you, you, you'll enjoy this. I thought I was watching American History X again. <laughs> Police. I called the Charlottesville Police Department and I asked them, I, I said, I have, I have been told that there's a warrant out for my arrest. Um, and they uh, they said that they wouldn't confirm it, but that I could find this out. sniveling and crying I, like a bitch. Yeah. He doesn't that I could find this out if I wanted to go to a local magistrate. He looks like some fat bro like all but of a sudden. With everything that's happening, I don't think it's wise for me to guns. be, <laughs> you know, going, going anywhere. There's a state of emergency. The National Guard is here. Yeah. Um, that's what happens you know, so when I don't, you start I don't a riot. Think it's a good idea for me to go there. <laughs> Whether frankly. it was you or whoever, um, whoever threw the first volley, doesn't I matter. I don't That's know what, what to do. I emailed Stephen Tenney mess. of the King Police Department. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> me and I was joking. I sorry together. Stephen Tenney of the King Police Department. He's <laughs> one of the cops who came there. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's not on the mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the cops who saved my ass when I had to pull my gun in Keene. And I emailed him and I said, I don't know what to do. I need guidance. I need guidance. Um, I want to be peaceful. I want to be law-abiding. Okay? That was the whole entire point of this. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful. You know? I know we talk a lot of shit on the internet, right? But, like, literally, Jason Kessler applied for a permit. just want to murder like you in peace. For this, okay? When they yanked our permit, we went to the ACLU and we went to court they and did. we won. The ACLU actually fought for these guys. We've been coordinating with law enforcement the entire time. Every step of the way, we've oh tried to do the right thing. Good and citizens. they just won't stop, you know? We have done everything in our power. We have used every peaceful and, and... Stop there. Your, yeah. your reaction. My reaction? Are you serious? <laughs> we try to be peaceful with five guns and blah, blah, blah. And a knife. And a knife. Just in case one of them bear hugs me and calls me a white supremacist. <laughs> 
I don't know what else to do. Well, um, here's the thing. Do you know they actually knew about this long in advance? Like, one of the bartenders I work with, like, a month before this happened was in Charlottesville, and everybody was talking about it. Really? Yeah, it's it's like, you know, it's a college town, so word gets around even in the summer like wildfire, but, like, they knew this was happening, you know? Like, it wasn't something, under, you know, it wasn't something quiet, and then, like, yeah, the cops pretty much did want these people not to be at Emancipation Park, where Robert E. Lee's statue is still, to my knowledge. They wanted them to go somewhere else, which wouldn't have had the effect. So, yeah, they got the ACLU. The ACLU said, no, you can't deny them just because they want to express their rights or whatever. But then everybody else came out to play. Yeah, what did you expect? <laughs> like, You know what a peaceful Klan rally is? It's when a bunch of guys show up in white hoods and nobody else is there. Like, we had Northeast Maryland in 1992 when they wanted to have a march and go out to the cemetery by my elementary school and lay flowers at the bet at the uh, graves of Confederate soldiers. Um, that was peaceful because no one paid attention. But a place like Charlottesville, with that much attention and that much press, I mean, especially if you're suing the town pretty much and the police department to um, have a protest or a gathering wherever you wish, um, yeah, yeah, you're going to get that. It's kind of like this shirt. Um, we were talking about it earlier today uh, before this podcast. Like, Yeah, I know exactly what can happen when I wear this shirt. But part of the reason is I'm kind of frustrated with other people. So I'm going to play off of that. Do if, you have <sighs> any idea what's going to happen to that man in prison? Have you seen Oz? You're my livestock now. <laughs> That's the only line I remember from Oz. Anymore. His name is going to be Linda. He's going to be sitting down when he pees. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Donkey punch. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. Oh my and God. he's going to deserve every last bit of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I dubbed that in for one reason. That yep. is a neo-Nazi white nationalist, white supremacist. From the good state the man sitting to my left is not. I am not. <laughs> I left Cecil County for that reason. I did not like that culture. <laughs> there's there's something about being dirt poor and having pride in the fact of your skin that just doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> I mean, like, you could keep all of that and your community and I'll go elsewhere and do well for myself. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. yeah. Actually, um, I was just telling Roger earlier that uh, somebody from Cecil County ended up making the papers because um, mm -hmm. there there were some protesters on the Antifa BLM side, the leftist side of this protest, that uh, were taking hairspray bottles and lighters and turning them into flamethrowers. So I guess uh, the Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan of Cecil County decided it would be a really good idea to dry, draw his sidearm and fire at this gentleman. Apparently someone's watched <laughs> True Romance recently. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. True Romance, Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, uh, I saw that in the movies. Yeah, not a good idea on anyone's part, but yeah, you, you don't pull a firearm and draw it in a, in a big crowd and fire, you know, unless someone is directly threatening you. Like, that's just something you don't do. And he's probably going to be another one that's going to be complaining about his legal rights and safety, etc. <sighs> we, we tried everything we can. We can. This is a peaceful <laughs> protest. Peaceful. This, this is why you can't get a. This is why you can't legally have a gun in most metropolitan areas in the north anymore because there were lots of peaceful protests about fifty years ago that went south really quick. You know, this is bad. This is why it, it's kind of one of those things. Okay, well, one person ruined it for everyone. I've got to take away all your toys, kids. No, <laughs> I want my toys. I want my toys. Well, you keep throwing them at little Johnny over there. You know? Oh man, um, what a mess! What a mess! What a mess! Let's switch gears a, yeah, let's switch. a, yeah. a, a little bit, Andrew, and uh, let's talk about um, 
what's going on, the horror show that's going on in Texas this weekend and still, and still going on with uh, Tropical Storm Harvey. Yep. Um, and um, shout, and um, our thoughts, Andrew and I's thoughts are with everybody in the, uh, south, in the uh, Houston, Texas area. Yep. I actually I have a friend who I do a wrestling podcast with, Christopher Perez, who lives in Conroe, which is just outside of Houston. Who's oh, wow. going through right now. So oh, man. shout out to Christopher Perez. And yep. uh, we're thinking about you, buddy. And we hope that you and your beautiful fiance are doing okay. And shout out to Will, one of my regulars of the hotel. He, he's, I don't think... I think he's from Laredo, but he's got family down in Corpus Christi, so they, they've got to be feeling the brunt of this right now. It's, you know, it's been what twelve years since Katrina, and I'm getting a lot of memories of Katrina. Honestly, you know, at least Katrina passed through. This is this storm has just kind of decided it's going to hang out and dump fifty inches of rain on South Texas. I'm getting more images of Sandy, to be perfectly honest, th- mm-hmm. th- than I am Katrina. Okay, and it's going to be very interesting to see how our government reacts to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because if you remember, uh, Sandy was about five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Almost almost to the day. Sandy was in October, so pretty close. Yep. And if you remember, all the Republicans denying uh, funds... For FEMA. Yeah, for FEMA to go to Sandy, with the exception of one Republican senator uh, whose name escapes me right now. Probably John McCain. It was not John McCain. It wasn't John McCain. It was not John McCain. It's amazing. Shockingly, it was a Republican, uh, con- not senator, pardon me, congressman from Texas. From Texas. I do remember that. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see how they react now to this going on in Texas, yeah. which is as red as a state can possibly be. Yeah. I mean, Texas wants to actually, there, there was a petition recently during the Obama years for Texas to secede from the union. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> they, they had numerous signatures and like, I will give Obama this. He set up a web portal pretty much for average citizens to directly contact the White House on whitehouse.gov. So uh, they had collected numerous signatures and sent them, and they were waiting for an official response, which apparently, according to the bylaws of whitehouse.gov, I guess they had a few weeks to reply. They sent back reply, we will not be pursuing the... The separation of the state of Texas. The, the secession of Texas. The secession of Texas from the Union at this time. <laughs> Shout out to anyone listening in Texas. You know that's never going to work because if you do that, we're going to give you the share of the national debt, take away all your military bases, and tariff the crap out of you. And you're going to have to come back and sign a new agreement for NAFTA because you'll no longer be a part of NAFTA because you're no longer a part of the U.S. It's not going to work. We love you, Texas. Love us back. <laughs> And this will be an opportunity for us to show all our brothers and all our other states that we do love them. I mean, um, that that's the very first thing I thought when I, I started seeing this on MSNBC on the bar last week. I'm like, this is going to be a hot-button political debate. Because they were already talking about cutting FEMA. They were talking about cutting it. Oh, we don't need this. And, you know, especially with things like disaster relief, especially going forward as we are now with the climate is changing. I don't care what you think, who you are, it is. I've you could see it. You could look at the stats. You could look at the data. It's changing, um, and it's a hot button issue. You know, they always want to have people tax less, and all of Trump's budget plans pretty much call for less taxation across the board. Like I think um, it, it, it's a newer political tactic to gut the budget of a certain of a certain government agency to render it ineffective. You know, instead of just oh, we should have a fight over dissolving this department or that department. Well, screw it, just kill it with budget cuts, you know? It's kind of hard to do a job if you can't, you know, even afford the paper that you need to print your letterheads on. I mean, 
that's the idea. Uh, my mom currently is haggling with the EU in Washington, D.C. as we speak, and uh, they're leaderless. Hmm. They've pretty much got nobody in upper management right now because no one's been appointed, and they're facing, I think I heard at one point, a 70% budget cut. Oh, my. Yeah, no, the good old Cook Brothers uh, Uber Libertarian wish list is <laughs> finally coming to fruition some 30-some years later. But, yeah, I mean, that's the stuff they're dealing with. And she actually says, like, she was not in favor of a lot of Obama-era policies because it was just letting all the wingnuts with no scientific data run the EPA and regulate everything and thinking that every corporation in the world had enough money to go through any whimsical uh, test change or label change that they deemed fit um, to appease their base. But she pretty much says we need the EPA because if our products don't get regulated, we can't sell them inside the United States to any of the states. Because I mean, every state has like, we have Denrec here in Delaware, I don't know what it is in other states, but it's always a different name. Um, none of them regulate this stuff, really. Uh, they all pretty much go off of federal guidelines, which makes it easier. That's what the federal government is for originally, commerce. Commerce and protection through war. But uh, yeah, she's like, we need them to regulate our products so we could sell it to our domestic market and also the international market. Like if it's if somebody in Japan or Brazil or something gets a package from my mom's company, and there's no official government seal on it, um, it, it's no real it's no real difference in accepting a package of heroin or meth. I mean, it's an illegal, it's <laughs> you an know, illegal product. Package either way. Yeah, it's it's an illegal chemical at that point. I mean, nobody wants that in their borders. So, yeah, it's it's a mess right now. So, hopefully. Uh, Getting back on topic with FEMA, I mean, hopefully this opens some eyes, you know. And um, and another thing I was reading just this morning, actually thinking of doing this podcast, I was thumbing through the news, and uh, one thing they've been talking about, I think it was an opinion piece, but a lot of the damage has also come right on the coast. I mean, mm -hmm. um, we, we've seen quite a lot of waterfront development, and I believe uh, your folks own a con owned a condo or own a condo out in Miami, I yes. think you were saying? right on right Biscayne Bay. Yep. And people love living on the water. I mean, when I used to go visit um, my grandfather, my uncle down in Pinellas County, Florida, you know, Clearwater, Dunedin, there's just a ton of waterfront development. I mean, literally, you walk downstairs and get on your boat in some places, and it's that close. But at the same time, it's like a lot of those are in beautiful, hot locales all along the Gulf or all along the Atlantic, and they're right near what? The pathway of a hurricane. I mean, they're pretty much predicting now that hurricanes will reach all points on the coast probably up to new york city into Ooh, the future that's gonna um, be fun that's gonna be fun for uh, all of our uh, co-residents yeah and, uh, the, the beaches rehoboth and dewey and i mean they, they they've they've run fema the federal government's run maps like models of um what say rehoboth might look like in 100 years and there is no boardwalk anymore mm -hmm. in 100 years that's scary yeah um i mean think about moving everything further inland and it's 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 never ending but they were talking about how like a lot of this development too has really um made this all concern made this an, an issue that needs some reckoning because the feds are tied to it if you have someone spending quite a lot of money to build a waterfront condo or whatever and then that gets flooded out and the feds are on the hook pretty much through the flood insurance program i mean i I heard it so many times since Katrina, even before, oh, the Fed shouldn't be insuring these people because of X, Y, Z and limited government. And it's it's kind of true. If you're putting yourself at risk like that, maybe you shouldn't be getting insured. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, no kidding. 
Yeah, but everyone loves to develop and loves those tax dollars and loves those retirees. So we'll see how that goes, you know, but it, it's reopened that entire conversation as well. Corpus Christi, from what I understand, is a good working class town. Um, there's a lot of hardworking people there. It's close to the border. Um, a lot of those towns in Texas are Conroe, where, yeah. where my friend Chris lives. He, I mean, Houston, Houston, Texas. It's the polar opposite of what Dallas is. Dallas, you think of big, big oh, oil yeah. money and Jerry Jones. And, yep. Yeah, but that's not Houston. You no. know, he, South Texas, you're t- thinking about Houston. You're thinking about Corpus Christi. You're thinking about Conroe. You're thinking about just working class Americans. Yep. That uh, if this if this hurricane happened in Dallas, uh, I th- you know, it would be complete. It would be a completely different story. Yeah. Because the people in Dallas, they, you know, I'm sure a lot of them have homeowners insurance and have and, and have action insurance oh, against yeah. this of course houston the uh, the average income of houston is not what it is in dallas no so you have to think a lot of people have lost so much from this hurricane and lost things that they'll never get back they, much they, like yeah. much like katrina yeah yeah i mean um katrina permanently changed the city of new orleans mm-hmm. i've heard it from so many travelers and i've heard some people begrudgingly cautiously saying that it may have made some things better about the city but i mean a lot of people don't know this the ninth ward the most devastated neighborhood in new orleans um also happened to be the swing district for the entire state of louisiana and for the city of new orleans it was the largest african-american home-owning district in the whole state Hmm. it's now demolished (laughs) so that left a lot more um political contests including you know, presidential electoral votes in play. Um, nobody talks about that. <laughs> no, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and on a similar vein, I mean, this... I, I'm waiting to see, like you are, what's going to happen, what people are going to think and say. Not only did Houston get devastated, but not too far from Houston is a little place called Galveston. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you um, who don't know... us. Uh, it's a great beach town, from yeah. what I understand. It, it it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's one of the rich. Actually, the congressional district is the richest per capita congressional district in the United States. Oh, well, you just blew up my theory about Houston, Texas. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, Houston maybe, but Galveston. Galveston's a little different. That's where all the money is. It's kind of like Wilmington versus Greenville. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of comparison. But um, a lot of people don't know and that fact. And who represents this district in the United States House of Representatives? Ron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's, it's funny before i knew that he was from galveston and that was the richest area i would hear his libertarian ideas and think to myself god everyone's got to be running running around like mad max and four wheelers and dust and there's you know with those kinds of ideas there's got to be no mutual help or benefit for everyone and then i find out it's the richest place in the country and it's like oh of course you can talk all that smack because you've got all the capital you need <laughs> you know and there's his smiling face, and all I could think of is um, Satya Baron Cohen trying to seduce him and Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie was so hard to watch. Oh, oh God, yeah. Yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm one of the few sick individuals that actually can get through something like that and laugh his arse off at the same time. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that there's a little uh, poetic justice in, of all places, Texas being mm-hmm. ravaged by this hurricane? I mean, a notoriously red state yeah. who, with, filled with people who don't believe in climate change? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would talk about poetic justice, yeah, but that's so mean. It is mean. It's so mean. I feel really bad about saying that, but it is really, really interesting to yeah. think 
I mean, like, where's your climate change now? Where, where's your climate change now? Where's your hatred for the federal government? I mean, for God's sakes, like, uh, Texas has been in the red a number of times in the last two decades, actually, under Republican leadership. I mean, like, that's not good. That's the kind of thing that they're supposed to complain about Democratic jurisdictions doing and being. But, yeah, but now it's like you're probably going to need the federal government, honestly. For mo- I mean, for most of our, for for most of our lives that I that I can remember, Texas has always been a always, state. always, and it's, this is actually, and this is something that probably you can relate to to a point. Uh, Texas is where Ronald Reagan brought Mikhail Gorbachev to in the eighties. He oh. brought him apparently. My dad told me this story a number of times. He brought him to a Texan grocery store, which, as a lot of people may know, like Texas has everything you could want. It's pretty much they get all the food in the world there like anything you can want passes through Texas or it can be bought in Texas so he brought Mikhail Gorbachev to a grocery store and you know um, a lot of people may know that all the Russian grocery stores before the fall of the wall were kind of like any department store like James Ware Ames that you may have seen going out of business like there's nothing on the walls there's nothing anywhere the lines are huge no one cares some people seal and no one cares and Mikhail Gorbachev breaks down crying. You know, like, you idiots, what did you do? Speaking about the Russian leadership over the last century. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it's, been, it's been a place of independence and, you know, right-wing values. So, and anti-federalism. So, yeah, we will have to see what happens after all this. And, honestly, I mean, I, I think I speak for the both of us here. Like, we really, our sympathies are with Texas. Anything Absolutely. we can do, we will be doing. Because I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I really no. Um, oh my God! I've had a, I had many many friends who had to suffer through the horror that was Sandy, and this is honestly so much worse than Sandy. It's yeah. you know, it's it's really 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 scary. Eight people have lost their lives yeah. confirmed, and they're saying they think it's gonna be a lot more now. What was the last number? I think I may eight. have seen like eight hundred or fifteen hundred missing so yeah. it's it's something ridiculous and and a lot of people couldn't get out in time from what i understand um, uh, many people could not get out in time it's <sighs> yeah it's it's really really scary yeah I, I i i can't even begin to imagine i mean we don't get hit that much it seems like every hurricane misses us knock on wood you know um but yeah i've, I've still seen you know we we had elton uh, a lot of businesses wiped out i believe it was with floyd in 1997 um, wiped out yes, a lot of businesses. I do remember and, that. I ended up uh, actually. We used an old value food that backed up to the river. It's now a farmers market in Elkton. Uh, we used that as a spot for re- refurbishing shelves from Walmart during a, re- a renovation in uh, 2001. But yeah, like, and they never really recovered. It was it was kind of funny to hear some people <laughs> talk about it years later because they got this bright idea to put these decorated elks everywhere and turn the downtown into an arts district, but they didn't help a single business owner after Floyd, really. It's like we got these stupid elks everywhere, but no, you couldn't help a business owner out after the hurricane. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, it was serious. So, but yeah, I I really hope things get cleaned up there. I hope there is an actual response and not some pulpit pounding. It's going to be the greatest response ever. I guarantee it. That's exactly. That's exactly what's gonna. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yeah. With the person we have, we currently have in office. That's exactly what what, what mm. it's gonna be. I mean, come on now. And I'm not looking. And you know, I I, would, I also hate to think about the fact that there's gonna be a bunch of kickbacks and money given away for projects that never come to fruition, et cetera. 
little factoid. Um, I had a guest in my bar on Thursday night, and of course, I've got MSNBC on, and you know, we're watching live coverage of the hurricane coming in and uh, making landfall in Corpus Christi. And he ends up stating that his father ran a firm that made manufactured homes. Like mm -hmm. they had it set up so they could crank out three a day. So in the wake of Katrina, obviously, you had all these people everywhere, and you know, the Fed was putting, the federal government was putting people up in hotels and everything that lost their homes, you know, trying to get them out of the Superdome and out of the chaos in, in all those neighborhoods. So the Feds went around, like, to the whole South pretty much and said, hey, um, can you make us manufactured homes? We really need them for all these people. And all these firms are like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, federal, federal contract or government contract is just guaranteed money. You could pretty much make your business on that. So this guy gets all the specs from the feds and all that, and they're just cranking, 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 cranking on all these homes. And I think he said that his father's firm made something like a thousand homes. Come to find out, someone didn't submit one piece of code, um, some sort of code for hurricane resistance in Louisiana that all manufactured homes are required to meet because hurricanes come up that way. Because of that, his father's firm's houses and a lot of other firms houses were not able to be used in the state of Louisiana to house people that had been victimized by Katrina. Oh they sat around on acres and acres of government owned lots and rotted because of one little piece of code. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, I'm like, the, you know, it's, it's now 2017 and Katrina happened in 05. So there, there has not been another Cat 5 storm that's hit Louisiana. I think this might be the first hurricane that's touched anywhere in Louisiana for mm -hmm. quite a while. Since Katrina. Yeah. Since Katrina. And it's like, and these homes rotted. And billions of dollars were spent. I mean, it, it's a waste on all sides. And it's so sad to see. Um, definitely, I like to tell people out there, too, you know, shout out to Texas and, and, and all of Dixie right now and Lower Appalachia that's going to be dealing with the remnants of this storm, including us. I think we're going to get a few things in the next few days. But um, Yeah, it's already kind of getting a little cloudy and dark now. Yeah, everyone's got to be vigilant out there. I mean, um, I hate the idea. I, I told someone else this one time. I, I started researching why does Pennsylvania call itself a commonwealth? Why does Virginia call itself a commonwealth? Massachusetts, why, why, why? Well, commonwealth was an older term for a state, but... It actually has a different meaning. A commonwealth is the idea that this is what we do commonly as a people. We all come together, and this is the force that we all collectively have. You know, um, A state sounds like a foreign body, and it kind of is. Um, and people treat government as if it's something outside of them. I mean, it is a separate entity that is all around us. But honestly, this is this is our government, everybody. Like this, this is the sum of all of our work and labor and sweat. And yeah, we've got to hold their feet to the fire and help each other out. You know, it, it could be an amazing tool. And I know we've got two, three generations of people now that don't believe in it after so many instances, and, you know, things like Nixon or whatever. I mean, left or right, you know, everyone, a lot of people have gotten distrust of it, but we have to trust in ourselves and ideas of common good and common goals. You know, I never thought of it that way, but com when, he when he spilled the word commonwealth, yep. it makes a lot of sense. And I'd, I'd rather think of government as a commonwealth, personally. I'd rather treat it as such. And so some top-down operation, which is what we're supposed to be getting away from in this country. You know? Andrew, ha do you follow our uh, president on Twitter? Hashtag MAGA. 
I do not follow our president on Twitter. I, I kind of thought to myself that um, he's on the news every two seconds, so why do I need to follow him? <laughs> Have you seen the tweet that he posted about this about the hurricane in Texas? Can I read it to you? Please do. Yeah. And I'm going to read it to everyone in uh, Delaware and the nation in case they've not seen this. Delaware and I'm quoting. And Historic in capitals. <laughs> Historic rainfall in Houston and all over Texas. Floods are unprecedented and more rain coming. Spirit of the people is incredible. Thanks. Forecast for tonight, dark, with continued periods of darkness towards morning. <laughs> I mean, honestly... <laughs> What the fuck is like, that? This is it, this is it's so weird. It's uh, so unbelievably weird. Like our president is in awe of the rains that have destroyed thousands of homes all over South Texas, where he should be leading. There's so many people who lost homes, and thousands are still waiting to be rescued from this catastrophic flood. And our president is marveling at nature, like he's looking up at the eclipse without the, without glasses and be like, "Wow, look what I accomplished! Look." Yeah, you see what you see that Melania. You see what I did during my presidency. We had a full solar eclipse and we had historic rainfalls in Texas. Look at Where that. is this Mother Nature? She's I'm, devastating. She's brutal. She's ruthless. Yeah. I want to kiss her. I want to make babies with her. Melania, you gotta go. I found your replacement. You gotta go. <laughs> I am the greatest president the world has ever seen. Oh, but it's amazing. I mean, it seems that he that he's admiring these floods just because that he can boast that the biggest floods happened while while he was the president. You know, oh man! Something of this destructive power in nature, inflated by climate change. Thank you very much, pre Mr. President. Thank you. Finally. Thanks to your policies. Thank you. You know, baby drill, call for everyone. Accelerated this devastation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, not that I was necessarily uh, an Obama supporter, but he was a leader. And during yeah. Sandy, he you know, during Sandy, he brought the whole country together. You know, Trump is instead cheering on this hurricane like it's a video game, and he's winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Final body count. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's I mean, it's disgusting. It's sick. And I, I mean, I can't believe yep. when I when I saw his tweet on Sunday, I couldn't wait to talk about it on the podcast. I could. I just it's like, what the fuck? And this is Texas. This is a you know, this is your statement. This is a state that will not forgive him either. I mean, I can think to myself at least Chris Christie. Got his fat self down to the shore, put on some L.O. Bean gear and some khakis, and helped out. Chris Christie. <laughs> he made know. some announcements. He reached out. He he actually kind of committed political suicide by reaching out and accepting help from Obama. Mm -hmm. When I, he, when hadn't he been in the running for the VP at that point for vice president? Oh no, this is long before yeah, that. I'll, he was you know, considering no, it was running him for and president. Ryan, but yeah, like he 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 was talking about running for president. They were talking about picking for VP and. He still, at this point, thought he had a chance of a political career. And, yeah, and he's accepting help from the feds. And he's taking flack from people like, yeah, what were you talking about? About, you know, dissolving FEMA? Or, no, they were selling it to Romney, I'm sorry. But Chris Christie was out there doing what needed to be done, you know. And, uh, and I think he actually built a campaign, a campaign slogan um, a year later based on that. Like, stronger than the storm, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> God, that was hard yeah. to forget. But yeah, this um, yeah this this babbling crap that sounds like something that someone's grandfather would say in a nursing home after watching it all on television. That's pretty much true in this case, actually, because that's what he did. <laughs> so, in essence, we have Grandpa Simpson as president. <laughs> I remember when I the hurricanes when I was a kid. 
See, back in the days, we used to ride. We, we wore, I wore an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. So I got on my ship, and back then, Nichols had little bumblebees on them. Give me two bumblebees for a quarter. But the important thing was, I was wearing an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. I got out of my phone, which broadcasts all the devastation. I shat in a gold lemonade toilet, which was the style of the time. I ran on that slogan, golden lemonade toilets to shit in for everybody. <laughs> Trump 2016. Anyways, I thought I'd get on Twitter instead of actually doing something, which was my style at the time. And CNN loved it. I had a split screen for two minutes with Fake that. news. God. Terrible. <gasps> Your fake news. I, I can't, I can't, I can't get over this. This is, I, I can't believe this. George, you know what? This the is fun, real life. In, in politics, like Katrina, like Katrina was a cluster, complete clusterfuck. Everybody knows this. And you actually had people that felt sorry afterwards in leadership. I think George Bush was devastated by it. George W. was devastated by it. I think Cheney was, was even humbled by it to a point. And the thing that I keep thinking to myself right now is Bush had to pretend to be stupid to get votes, you know, to pass the beer test. Who would you want to have a beer with, as uh, as Carl Rove used to say? <laughs> it's true. Our president is acting moronic, and, and you have to wonder if it's an act sometimes with stuff like this. Like, this serves no purpose whatsoever. Um, I, I'd imagine that people are laughing and crying at us at the same time, <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. So, anyway. Whew. All right, one more th- one more thing to cover this week. Uh, North Korea just uh, launched Ooh. a ballistic missile. This is something fl- else I was watching this morning. <laughs> that flew over Japan. Yep. Uh, this is a quote from Colonel Rob Manning, the director of press operations at the Department of Defense. We assessed North Korea conducted a missile launch within the last 90 minutes. We can confirm that the missile launch by North Korea flew over Japan. We are in the process of assessing the launch. North Korean Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, determined that the missile launch from North Korea did not pose a threat to North America. We are working closely with Pacific Command, Strategic Command, and NORAD, and will provide an update as soon as possible. Meanwhile, the Japanese are shitting themselves. And I have two <laughs> friends over there, and I know they're shitting themselves, and they're also angry as hell. Have you reached out to them? Um, I have not reached out to them yet. I pretty much saw that and got up and got ready, but I'm, I'm going to connect with them if... They're not drinking by now. They will be soon, and it, it should be an interesting time to to line that line with them. Line line is kind of like a Japan Skype in a way, um, free video calls and all of that. So uh, I, I really do feel for them. Um, yeah, I, I'm wondering what's going to go on with that because uh, the last thing that I saw, a little push notification on my phone, was that you know um, all options are on the table according yes, to the president. Yes, I, I heard that this morning as well. Yeah. Whatever that means. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> And you know what, like before everything else happened, before Charlottesville happened, I almost feel like that was just perfect timing for a distraction away from North Korea, honestly. Like everyone's been talking about that too, about like the comments were insensitive. I mean, yes, technically they're right, but maybe not the thing that he, maybe not the way he should have commented on it at the time. But it distracted everyone from North Korea. Before this whole Charlottesville thing, everyone was thinking that we were going to go to war with Korea, you know, and... And hearing Kim Jong-un and our President Donald Trump going back and forth, it was like, 
two eighth graders on the schoolyard, you know? I dare you, I double dog dare you to launch your nuclear weapons against all of our allies in the North Pacific. I double dog dare you to cross the 33rd parallel and start World War III. <laughs> like, it was just that bad. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm thinking of Team America, of course, World Police. <laughs> America, <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. Gonna save the mother. Hans Bricks, Hans Bricks. Why are you always busting my balls, Hans Bricks? Because he's so ronery. <laughs> he's so ronery. But, oh my God, this this was so bad. And now it's looking like... I, I honestly think it's kind of like uh, Waco, in a way. Waco with a lot more people. You know, like, how many... Wow, that's an interesting comparison. How many plays can you really make in, in that tiny, isolated country when even China... I mean, I've, I've talked to people about this. It's like, why is China supporting North Korea? I'm like, well, let's think. Uh, Manchuria was invaded numerous times, uh, what, by the Soviets, by the Japanese in the last century. And they're not looking for it to get invaded again. Uh, Manchuria is now a mix of some Russian, some Japanese, and some Korean, along with Northern Chinese. Um they're not looking to get invaded again. Um, that's a border. So in order to protect the border, you have this nut job pariah state known as North Korea. Sounds like a great idea, but even China might cut them off. So the only way to maintain power, I, I don't think he wants North Korea to fall in the way that Eastern Europe did, especially let's say East Germany did, where the system just stops working like every other communist regime pretty much, except for like them. Cuba, where nothing works, um, the government becomes powerless overnight, and people just, you know, claw away at power, and eventually, you know, the other side wins and starts reconstructing. Um, he's part of a dynasty, and I don't think he wants to be the final member of that dynasty God. left standing. So, it, it's going to be a mess, but I, I feel the way that, that, yeah, it's kind of like Waco. It's like you've got no other cards to play except for the war card except for the battle card. And I think, in a way, he might want that. He might want out. <laughs> you know, but there's going out on your own terms and there's going out on someone else's. Uh, when given those two options, I think he wants to go out on his own terms, honestly. I think he wouldn't mind <laughs> starting World War Three, which is really what's scaring me. Well, if they, his reaction to Texas is, is any barometer... Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he'd love it. I, would, I can just see him... You know, watch, watching those news, like, yeah, look look at all those people dying. Yeah. You see? Look at all that destruction that I caused. Yeah, this is great. First, the solar eclipse, now epic rainfall, and now World War Three. Am I not the best president? Is best this not a nuclear uh, holocaust ever? <laughs> is America not great again? <laughs> we will decimate everyone into the Stone Age. <laughs> oh, MAGA, make America groan again. America grown again. Oh, I love it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's probably going to be the next podcast, won't it, Roger? <laughs> what, what's going to happen between now and then with North Korea? I mean, um, well, hopefully we'll be alive for the next podcast. <laughs> hopefully we'll be alive. Well, we will. I can't say anything about, you know, shout out to all my family from Chicago on West. Uh, love you to death and hope there's not a nuclear holocaust. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. That'd but, be um, awful. But yeah, it's it's going to be a mess. It's definitely going to be a mess. We're going to have to see. I mean, North Korea, all their kids have to go to military training. Every last one of them does military service. And um, Seoul, the capital, the mega capital of South Korea is not too far from the, the demilitarized zone. So it, it would be bad in a lot of respects if that were to happen, you know, but... It's kind of weird. Um, we, we started off this podcast talking about millennials and Xennials, and 
I, I've always found that growing up at the end of the Cold War in kind of a state of quiet paranoia um, yes. has set me apart from a lot of millennials. And I, I wouldn't say it's an unreparable divide, but it's always there. You know, it lingers. And I kind of have to watch myself and my words and my actions and my attitudes around other people so they don't get too freaked out because a lot of millennials have grown up in a period of relative prosperity and most importantly peace um and it looks like we might be headed back towards a period of uneasiness and war (laughs) this is very true i mean the nation had its longest peacetime ever under bill clinton Mm -hmm. this is very very true i mean pretty much for his entire presidency and people forget that during the clinton presidency right after the beginning of his second term we had a balanced budget yep we were at complete peace yep America was as close to utopia as maybe it's ever been, or maybe since the Eisenhower administration. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and actually, it's funny. Uh, one Bushism that I read in a book somewhere, he thought the camera was off. I believe he was on Swedish television. And he said something to the effect of, I can't believe it. We were running against peace and prosperity, and we won. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the course of history if Al Gore became president? It, it would have been more of a sleeper. We all been, would have been falling asleep with Al Gore. <laughs> you know, like, ah, oh, jeez. Ah, but it, it certainly has shaped us, hasn't it, Roger? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we, co- we covered a lot of t- we covered a lot of topics today, Andrew. But yes, um, we did. you know, if we're alive for the next podcast, <laughs> and yep. you know, if, if there's no nuclear holocaust, then uh, you can tune in and. Um, Listen to us next week. Of course, as you know, uh, you can follow us on Facebook under the Loud Majority. I am under Roger Serpent on Facebook or rserpent 302 on Instagram. And I am Andrew Charlton on no Anders Ragnarok on Instagram, and I am Anders Knee Dog on Facebook. And I'm just going to change that back after my peer after the 60 days is up. I'm just going to change it to something easy. So that way you'll actually be able to follow me, folks. Soon enough, it'll be easier to follow Andrew. Yeah. And I've known Andrew for five years. I still have to be able to follow him. Nobody can. <laughs> I can't even follow me. <laughs> With that being said, we'll see you next week. Let's keep it going, millennials. Let's keep it together, America. Have a great week. Keep it together, America. Have you ever been close to tragedy? Or been close to folks who have? Have you ever felt the pain so powerful, so heavy you collapse?
never been tested I'd like to think that if I was, I would pass Look at the tested and prepare before the grace go on Might be a coward, I'm afraid of what I might find out Sure it isn't good And I'm glad I have it